Well, as I said, we have um, spent the last couple of weeks, and this this is always one of my favorite times because I love movies, and and I, I just think every movie has some kind of spiritual connotation today that um, there, there's some message in there, and it amazes me that no matter how far away from God they are, how far away the movie might be, um, and God just works himself in. And now, of course, this movie, we just showed this this past Saturday. I hope if you haven't seen it, um, it's, it's an amazing movie. Um, I didn't know all that story um, behind that song and, and everything. But, man, it is, it is a great movie. But, man, I just believe that God speaks through everything. If, if we listen, God can really just talk to us, and, and he'll, he'll use everything. Look at, look at the history. God used someone like Pharaoh or Pilate and stuff like that. And so the things that we don't think God will use, God uses. Um, and, and what I love about that story is that man, it just, if you saw the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, I just encourage you to do it. Um, but it's the idea that thing, everything is redeemable. And we, we follow, we chase after, and we are chased after by a huge God. Um, that just desires a relationship with us. And so this morning, that's, that's really, as we kind of close out this series and everything, we're actually diving back into Acts, um, which is the series we've been doing, and we'll jump back in even more next week. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9 um, this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available. They're spread out around. Just grab one. If you don't know one, put your name in that. Keep that. If you'd rather use an electronic device, um, and you have a tablet or a phone, you can sign into our Wi-Fi. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, and you can follow along there. Um, but as always and forever, as long as I'm pastor here, these are the only words that matter. Um, these are the only words that give me the ability, or the, yeah, the ability to even just stand here and speak for us to be a church. And, and there's so much power in these words that what I have to say really doesn't matter. It's what these words say. And so out of acknowledgement of that and just with agreement with that this morning, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we look at Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Luke writes this, he says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in, in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he, couldn't, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Let's pray. God, just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather. God, in your name, your people. God, we thank you that before we ever woke up this morning, you were here waiting for us. Father, we don't have to ask you to join us. We don't have to ask you to, to kind of get your presence, God, because you're here. Father, you knew everyone that was going to be here this morning. You know exactly what needs to be said. You know exactly what needs to be done. And so, God, we just ask that you would have your way. God, you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. God, but you invite us into your presence, God, not only to reveal yourself, but to change us. And so, Father, that's what I pray. I pray this morning, first of all, that these would be your words, not mine. 
Now that you would just hide me. And then, God, for all of us, you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond. God, and the courage to actually do something about it, to live it out, God, that we would be different because we were in your presence this morning. God, change us. Meet us where we're at. Move us from where, to where we need to go. God, and just have your way. Father, may you receive all the glory. May you receive all the praise. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, so as I said, if you haven't seen the movie, um, we have a copy of it. You can borrow it. We, sh- we showed it Saturday night. Who all came to the movie night? Who was all here? Hey, that's a nice group. That's a good group. I missed a party. Um, but um, it is such a, a, a great, great movie, and, and it really gives me this message. When I watched it the first time, like I know the song, and probably all of you have heard that song. I can only imagine. It's, it crossed over into every genre. Like, it was on secular stations, it was on Christian stations. It just resonated with people, this idea like, man, what's going to happen? I can only imagine what's going to happen when all this is gone and and everything. But it's the story of Bart Millard and Mercy Me. And what I didn't know when I heard that song for the first time, I said, well, what a great song. It's about heaven, it's about eternity and stuff. But really that song resonated from an an idea of redemption. Um, Like I said, if you saw the movie, he had a really hard life. He, he had a dad that just was just not part of his life, was angry and upset. He was being told all the time that you aren't going to make it. Your situation's good, and, and it's just nothing's redeemable in your life right now. It's just all, it's just going to be bad. And, and, and so th- that's a story, and I, and I wonder if any of us have ever felt completely lost. I, I imagine it with all the people that are in this room this morning, and stuff that at some time every one of us felt like something that was going on, either something we had done or some situation we were facing or, or, or something had just gone too far and it was just, it, was, it wasn't redeemable. Like it would just never get better or I've done something that was, that was unforgivable and, and, you know, I could just never forgive. I, I, I don't know about you, I've met people and I've talked to people over the years in ministry and, and one of the first things they would say to me is, says, man, you don't know what I've done. You, you, you don't know the things I've done and, and the things that, you know, I've been through and, and the situations in my life. I mean, there's just nothing that can be, they're unforgivable. They, they can't be fixed. And, and I just want you to hear, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I, I just want you to hear that's a lie. There, there is nothing, nothing that we face, nothing that we have done or could do or, or any situation in our life that's not redeemable by God our God is that big and if you're not sure about that I just want to introduce you to a guy named Paul or Saul and and see what what happened here so so each one of us this morning we're on some kind of road we have we have a journey we are traveling road Paul was on his road and, and, and we are on this journey together and a lot of times it is our road it's the decisions that we're making. It's the, the choices that we're making. Um, we're saying we're on a certain path. This is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. And, and so that's exactly where Paul is when we catch up to him in Acts chapter 9. Here, look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Now Saul, who later would be called Paul, was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul, or Paul, was not a nice person. He was a very religious person. He believed in the Jewish religion. He believed in what he was doing and everything, but he was not a nice person. 
and he wanted to destroy this new movement, this church, this 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 sect that was happening, and he wanted to do anything possible. Um, there are like church history, church tradition says that, you know he was just brutal. He didn't care, men, women, children. He just didn't care, and he did whatever he needed to do just to persecute, to shut them down. In fact, a few, probably about a month ago when we were at Acts, we, we talked about a guy named Stephen. Stephen, the first martyr mentioned in the New Testament. Stephen, the guy that was just preaching and standing up for truth. Saul was the guy that was sitting there like, hey, while you're throwing rocks, I'll hold your coats. And by the way, that's probably too small of a rock. You should get that big one over there and toss it. I mean, that was just his attitude. This was a man that just wasn't nice, didn't care about what God was doing in, in that world, but he was sure of himself. And everything. And the problem is, is he thought he was doing what was right. And most of the time when we are trapped in a situation or we're trapped or we're locked in a, into some circumstances, we think that we're doing what is right. We think we're doing whatever we need to do to survive or whatever. And, and, and we get we get stuck in them. And, and Saul was like definitely he was like, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm right. In fact, later on in his life, he, he actually <coughs> kind of said that you don't have to turn there. But in Philippians three. Verse four through seven, Paul is talking about like towards the end of his life. He's in the he's in the jail and he's like he's looking back and he says, although I once also had confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If anyone else thinks that they're doing right, that that what they're, what's going on in their life is, is exactly what they're supposed to be doing and it's it's not going to change, then I have more confidence. Circumcised the eighth day. Of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding righteousness, that is the law, blameless. I'm in a situation, I'm stuck here, I'm there, but I'm right, and this is the only way it's ever going to be, and I'm set forth. But look what he says. But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Here is Paul that was one of the toughest critics of what Christ was doing, the toughest critics of Jesus and every, every one of his followers that's going against him full bore. He had the backing, he had the power, he had the, he had the passion and the zeal to do it. And at the end of life, he was like, everything outside of Christ is a loss. It, 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 it's nothing. I wonder for us this morning, how many things in our life have we put and said, this is actually more important to me than Jesus? I mean, it's easy to say, well, no, no, I'm at church this morning, Pastor. I'm, 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 I'm good. But I want to think, how many of us have put career or, 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 or finances or wealth or, or status or stuff and said, this, this is more important to me. This, this is where I am and, and this is the road I'm on. I love that Paul says, no, it, w- it was all lost. He had nothing to offer. Really. He was an enemy of the church. He was an angry, upset, vicious person at one time, and he had nothing to offer. He had done horrible things. And yet, while he was on his road, the amazing thing happens. God comes and he brings a detour. At the perfect time in each life, I think God just shows up and, and he brings a detour on our road. Look, look, look at verse 3 and 5. 
Paul's on his way. He's on his way to Damascus. He's ready to just do the will of the temple. He's really just to squash this and do whatever it takes. And it says, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. What's amazing to me, here's Saul. He's so focused. He's so fixed on his road and his travel and everything he's doing. And no matter how bad it is and everything, Jesus met him right on his road. I, I think God does that for us. He meets us right where we're at. You know, I've met so many people who says, you know, if I just let, let me just fix some things, let me clear some things up, let me change my attitude, let me let me get a better job, let me get in a better position, then then God God and I can we can I can deal with God. You know, when when I was a youth pastor for so many years and stuff, there was always saying says, I've got plenty of time to meet God later. I just I want to do my thing right now. I, I don't know how many students I've talked to over the years that just said, you know, I'm young, I, I'm I'm you know, I just want to do what I want to do and stuff, and, th- and then, then I'll come back to God. I remember one young man that, man, we were going on a mission trip. He was set to go. He was so excited. God's call was in his life to ministry and, and all these things, and we just, it showed in him that God had just a special plan for him. I was so excited to see what God was going to do in his life, and he came up and says, hey, I got a soccer camp the same week of that, and you know what? It's more important because that's my college. That's my education and everything, so I'm going to go to soccer camp. To my knowledge, that kid has never entered a church again. See, I, I think God meets us, meets us on a road. God meets us right where we're at. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have seen like all your life and everything, and you're like, man, it's just not going the way I want it to go. It's not going the way I planned it. And, and, and I've been doing things. I've been trying to do things. I've been doing it my way, but it's just not working. And God says, listen, I want to meet you on your road. But the cool thing is that God meets us where we're at. But he loves us enough not to leave us there. You know? He, he meets us right where we're at. We're, we're, no matter how messy, how dirty, how, how messed up we are, how, whatever's going on, whatever situation's happening, how bad it's gotten, God will meet us right there. But he loves us enough not to just leave us there, to, to, to move us on from that, that point. And so at that point, we hit a crossroads. And I think every one of us at some time in life, it may only be one time, but every one of us get to a point where there's a crossroads where we have to make a decision. And we have to decide which way are we going to go. Look at verse 6 and 9. Jesus says, but get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. At that moment, when that light flashed and everything, and God and Jesus just encountered Paul and, and set him right, said, listen, you're persecuting me. This is what's going on. This is the reality. I am who I said I was. My disciples, they know who I am. They're They're right. They're on the right path. You're on the wrong road. Paul, you got to make a decision right now. And at that moment when that light flashed and he woke up and his, he couldn't see, Paul literally could have said, man, I can't see. I can't go to Damascus. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. Or we just got to stay here. We got to figure out what's going on. We, we, we got to do this. Or He could have made any decision right then. But Paul said he, that he gets up. 
and, 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 he, and he goes to Damascus. See, because I think God calls us to make a decision. I think for so many of our churches, we don't call people to decision anymore. I, I don't think we call people to say, listen, there, there's, there's only two types of people on this, on this planet. There are those that know God and those that don't know God. There, goes, there are people that follow God and there are people that follow themselves and their own plan. That's, that's what goes on. There's, there's only two types of people. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your bank account is. It doesn't matter where you're from. So there are only two types of people. Either I, I am doing it God's way or I'm doing it my way. And I think those decisions is all through scripture. There's always been a point of decision. At some point in life, we have to decide whose way am I going to do it. In fact, all the way back in Joshua 24, 15, he says it really clear to the, the Israelites had just taken the land. They're all saying they're getting ready to settle. And Joshua gives this challenge, says, but if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourself today the one you will worship. The gods your father worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. We will worship God. We have always, always been called to decision. I, I love, I believe this one theologian once says, says, God will take every step towards us except that last one. And I believe, and I believe in a sovereign God. I believe God, it is God that draws us. It is God that leads us. And I don't know how we work out like God has predestined and, and chosen and stuff. And God gives us free will. I leave that up to him. But I know at some point I have to say, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it your way or I'm going to do it my way. And, and I have to make decisions. There's so many people in churches today that they understand Jesus saves them. That I prayed a prayer. I've come forward and I said, you know, come into my heart, forgive me my sins and, and, and make me new and all stuff. And we've made him Savior. But how many of us have taken the time and says, no, but you also need to be Lord. See, because that's, that's where the rubber hits the road. It, it's where we finally say, okay, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to be obedient. And I love that Paul or Saul right here, he chose obedience. I said he could have gone back to Jerusalem. He could have done anything else. He could have said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't see, I can't do anything. And notice that he is blind. He's got to be led by hand to Damascus. And so often when we make that decision, God so often says, I'm not going to show you what's next. I'm just going to see, are you going to obey? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to give me your life? Are you going to trust me with your family? Are you going to trust me with your career and your job? Are you going to trust me for whatever's going on? Because I may not show you. I've, I've figured out over life and over time that faith is like walking through a curtain, just saying, wow, just to find another curtain. Because the honest truth is, is God revealed everything for your life right at the beginning. If it was me, I would, I'd be in a closet somewhere locked in saying, I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to do all that. This is crazy. God reveals what he needs to reveal. And so there's a point where we just have to say, I'm just going to trust. That's what happened to Saul on the road. He's like, all right, I'm just I'm going to go to Damascus. Now, most of us don't have like we're walking, we're driving down 192 and a light flashes around us. And so except last night when it but it was police lights everywhere. I don't know what was going on. I was like, Lord, OK. <laughs> But I do believe that every one of us gets to a point where we get to where we have to make a decision. God, either I'm all in or I'm all out. 
Either it's all for, all for you or none of it's for you. And, and I have to make that decision. I remember growing, I grew up in the church. I mean, I, I was born and I was in Sunday school like the next day. Flannel graph, the great days of flannel graph. Remember, remember the overhead projector where the guy put the words in upside down and you're like, oh, amazing grace. Turn that over. You know, I, I, I was there. Like I was, I was at every Sunday school class. I was at every like VBS. I was at everything, and I, and I grew up in that and stuff. And I knew Jesus was my Savior. I knew that Jesus was like he saved me and he died for me. I knew all that. But I went away to college just to say like, man, there's got to be something else. This can't be the only way. Until I got to a point where God just says, either you're all in or you're all out. This is your, this is your crossroads. I'm your Savior, but I need to be your Lord too. We, we come to that point and we got to make a decision. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, man, I've, I've played the game. I've, I've been going to church. I know this. I know, man, I can sing. I can raise my hands. I, I know where to turn in the Bible. I know all that stuff. But you're still like struggling saying, God, I, isn't there more? And maybe the point is, is that you're at a crossroads saying, Okay, God, now I'm, I'm all in, whatever that looks like. And who knows? I, I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I didn't say it. Because from that moment when I was 19 years old, man, I, I have traveled all over the world. I've been to places. I've met so many people that I'm still in contact with. I've seen God move in ways that I just can't even explain or even begin to comprehend. I've experienced so much because at one point in my life, I said, okay, God, your way not my way. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. Listen, you, you want to talk about feeling ir irredeemable or things that you've done. Listen, I have blown it so many times in so many ways just saying, God, uh, this one's too big. And every time God just said, are you going to trust me? Are you going to choose my way over your way? We're all, we all get that point in it. Like I said, maybe it's only one time. Listen, if you get one chance to choose God's way over your way, it's more than you and I ever deserved. Because we're the ones that walked away in the first place. And, and so we get to that point, and we get to the crossroads. But what, what's, what's really neat is once we do that, there's, like a, there's merging roads. And, and this, is, this right now, this is to the church. Th this to us, because I, I think so much often in the church, we get this mindset of like who needs to come in and what what needs to come in. And we need to be ready for God to be meeting people and putting them on a crossroads and making decisions. Because look what look what happens, because I, I think our roads are connected, that we're not in it alone, that we're never supposed to be alone. It's not like I just get saved and all of a sudden, OK, boom, you're gone. I think this is why the church, there's a plan. That goes on, even when we, when we don't see. Look, look at verse 10 through 18 real quick and what happens afterwards. So Paul's in Damascus. Three days he doesn't eat or drink. He's blind. He's just waiting. He's being obedient. And look what happens. It says, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. He says, get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Since he is praying there, in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. 
So right away, God, God's getting to his followers. He's saying, listen, I got someone here I need you to go meet. I'm setting up a divine appointment for you right here. And I love Ananias' reply. He's like, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from chief priests to arrest, to arrest all who call on your name. God, are you sure you want me to go talk to this guy? Because I've heard about him. He is bad news. I mean, he's here to do harm to your church. We don't want that guy in our church, do we? Did you say Saul? Because this is not a guy we want to deal with. And and the Lord replies to him, verse 15, Go, for this man is chosen, is my chosen instrument, to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. And Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. I I just want to say, as a church, listen, I I believe God wants to do something amazing in our community. But we have to be ready. Listen. We do not have a dress code. Our only dress code is please wear clothes. As long as you do, I will, and everybody's fine. <laughs> I, I don't care where you're from or your background and stuff. I, I don't care what you've done in your past. A, as a church, we, we have to be ready because I think so often, you know, especially in our culture today as a church, we kind of circled the wagon so often and says, well, we don't want those people here. We we're kind of nervous about those people. I remember being at a youth ministry one time and, and talking to kids, and we were at camp for the very first time. I, like, showed up to work, and I took kids to camp, like, the next week, which is really awkward. Um, but just sitting there, and we're in a group. I said, guys, what, what do you want and stuff? And they were like, well, we just want to stick together and just huddle together and everything. I says, but what about your friends that don't know Jesus? I said, well, if they come, we may do bad things. I'm like, excuse me? Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that why we were created, the church was created, to carry the gospel to those who don't know, to be a light to the world, to shine that light so people will see God and be drawn to him and, and all that stuff? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? It says, yeah, but we're afraid of there's certain types of people that we're, listen, we can't do that. Like I said in the beginning, there's no one, nothing that's, that's not redeemable. And as a church, we always have to be ready to go to the places that that are scary, to go to the places that are uncomfortable, to go to the places that that and allow those people to come in that may not match what we look like. Listen, I can't wait to get to heaven because I think there's going to be people saying they're like, wow, how did they get here? I can only imagine what it's going to be like. You know, the old joke. You know, the Baptists get to heaven, and they're all like, okay, the Baptists are in this row, so the Methodists don't hear that they're here because they don't think they're going either. I mean, we, we're all together. It's his kingdom. It's everything. And so as a church, you know, one of the things I love about this church, it's one of the most welcoming, greeting, happy places when people come. But it can't just be welcoming. It has to be inviting. We have to go out into the highways and the byways, into the hedgeways, into the areas that we see people that are struggling and say, hey, we've got a place where you can call home. We've got a place where you can be family. You will be welcome here. Because you're welcomed into God's kingdom because nothing is not redeemable. And as a church, that's got to be our heart. And if it's not our heart, then why are we here? 
If we are not here to bless and to spread the gospel in four corners, then why are we here just to meet and have sermons and sing some songs? It's not church. It's a club. And you can get that by getting the frozen sing-along and go in your house and invite some friends and just follow the dot. But man, we got to be ready because everything is redeemable and there is a world out there that doesn't know that. There are people out there that think, man, I just, I've messed up so much. No one could love me. No one could care for me. No one. We have to be ready. And I got to tell you right now, church, I'm ready. And whether that means this church grows and gets huge or, or this church stays small, it doesn't matter to me. I'm ready to see people come to know Christ. Whatever circumstance, whatever opportunity he gives us to speak into somebody. You know, every week we get vacations, we get somebody. And I understand, man, we only may get them one week, one time. And so we do everything. That's why we have children's when there's only one kid or we sing a full set and we don't, you know, on Sunday nights when there's only two or three people. That's why we dive in and we get there because we may only get one time because I want to be ready because that's what we call to because there's so many souls out there ready for God to use to change the world. But Saul would have never changed the world if Ananias wasn't obedient and said, okay, God, this is kind of scary, but I'll, I'll do it. See, Ananias had a crossroad, too. He could have chosen, like, I'm not going. And I believe with all my heart, God would have chosen somebody else and sent him there, and it would have happened anyway. But Ananias would have missed. Can you imagine in heaven right now, Paul's up there talking about man, these trips and I guarantee you, Paul singing back says, man, I'm so thankful that Ananias came up and showed up when no one else would accept me because of all the things that I've done. Man, the church needs to be a place that we just say, it doesn't matter. We all need a savior. What, what a beauty, because everything, everything is redeemable. Every situation in your life, everything you've ever done is redeemable. It is covered. That's why Jesus said it is finished. <laughs> Because it was good enough. And so the amazing thing happens when we hit that crossroads, when, when we make that decision to be obedient, to, to come up, and Jesus redeems it all and he changes it all. Man, he takes us from our road and he puts us on the high road. No better road to be on than the one that God has put before you. No better place to be where God, where God has sent you to be. He, he places us there, and, and, he, and he gets it. And I love that Paul never forgot that. Saul never forgot that. At, at the end of his life, he had a young man that he mentored. That he was like a spiritual father, a guy named Timothy. And he wrote some letters to him, just like just closing it out and saying, listen, man, here's what I know. Here, here's what's going on. And, and so, so turn over. It's not, it's not going to be up on screen. Turn over to 1 Timothy. Turn over to 1 Timothy. In verse 12, Paul writing to Timothy, he's remembering back, saying, okay, I know that it, it's all coming to an end. It's, it's all happening. And look what he says in verse 12. He says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy. Because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. 
And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I have received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. I love that picture. Paul saying, listen, I was, I was unforgivable. I was irredeemable, and yet he redeemed me. Because Jesus came for one reason, and that is to save sinners. He came to change. He came to redeem the situations, the, the consequences, the things I've done. He came and he put me on a path, on a high road that led me to places where I got to do amazing things. Do you understand most of our New Testament was written by Paul? The vast majority that more than likely we are a church this morning because there was a Paul who was just going out and planting churches and equipping people and getting them set and spreading the gospel out to the uttermost parts of the world. We were that. He had a purpose and a mission in spite of his past. Now, can, can you just hear that? That it... There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you have ever done to make him love you less. That I don't, I don't know all the situations. I don't know what's happening all in your life. I wish I did. I was thinking about this this week, man. I just, I feel like disconnect to me because just this past year and the craziness of me working and doing this and just trying, I don't know everything. And if I've let you down as a pastor, I'm sorry. If I haven't been there at some moment, but I know there's a God, there's a Jesus that does know everything. And whatever's happening, it's redeemable. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose and he has a mission and it doesn't matter. Every day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And it doesn't matter if, like, man, I didn't share the gospel this past week. I missed those opportunities. I didn't read my Bible. I messed up. Past is past. It's done. It's forgotten. It's forgiven. Today is today. This is what we're promised is right here, right now. I love that the Bible says that when we ask forgiveness, when we give over and say, God, I've messed up, this, this needs to be redeemed. The Bible says that God takes our sin and throws it as far east as from east and as far as west is from west. And I love that picture because if you're walking east, you're always going to walk east. It doesn't matter how far you go or where you're going. You are, if you start east, you're always going to go east. If you start west, you're always going to be going west. If it said north, eventually I'm going to walk south and vice versa. But it's gone. It, it, it's redeemed. One of my favorite hymns, man, and it was, it was my dad's favorite hymn, was Amazing Grace. It, it is it is my all-time favorite hymns, and yes, I love it with bagpipes. I love all that stuff. It's, it is a beautiful story, and I don't know if you know the story of John Newton, the guy that wrote that song. John Newton was a slave captain. You, you want to talk about a vile human being. The, those guys, man, it was just like, hey, the boat's getting kind of heavy. It's getting lost. All right, let's just throw some of these people overboard. 
put rocks on their ankles, chain them to rocks, and just drop them overboard so that we, we make it because they're just cargo. That was his life. You know, all through his life, he says, I have ghosts. He remembered every name, every slave that he carried into their torture and ter- um, torment. And yet God met him, and, and it, it changed everything for his life. And I love at the end of his life, he has an amazing quote. He says, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clear. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Can I tell you, without going into any details, that I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. There is nothing, nothing irredeemable. Nothing. But we have to choose. I can only imagine that day when I am standing face to face with my Savior. And he looks at me and says, clean, perfect, righteous, redeemed. There's nothing. And y'all that know this, We have a world out there that so desperately needs to hear it. We have so many people that live right around the corner that think nothing can be fixed. We carry that to them. I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Maybe this morning, that's the crossroads you're at. God, I want to do it your way from now on, not mine. Redeem it all. Let's pray.